Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. Today, I'm going to share a dream that was uh, just had in the last 24 hours that is very important, I think, to what we are dealing with today. So uh, we're going to hold on to that. But I want to begin in 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, waiting for Daniel second. He hasn't joined us yet. Not sure where the communication is there, but I suspect that he'll be joining us momentarily. As soon as he does, we'll go ahead and cut to him and we'll get into this conversation. 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingers not, and their damnation slumbers not. Verse 4. Before I get into verse 4, what I'm hearing in this passage is Peter warning the disciples throughout all ages within the church age uh, to beware of false prophets. When I look at really what false prophets are in the Old Testament, uh, predominantly false prophets were those who were proclaiming peace and safety at a time of judgment. In other words, they were excusing the sins of the people, and they were not bringing the, the righteous judgment of God into view 
but we're saying things like, well, it's all going to be okay. God doesn't care, you know, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then they were going to make merchandise to the people by telling them what they wanted to hear. In other words, you continue to sin and offend God and break the laws of God, but uh, I'm going to tell you it's okay to do it, and you keep paying me to tell you that it's okay. This is really bad. I mean, we have this going on in our modern society today. Uh, I'll get into some things a little bit later uh, about some very heart-wrenching things that are going on in the churches today, very sad things going on, but again, another sign of judgment um, of the signs of the times that we are in right now. In verse 4, Peter went on to say, for if God spared not the angels. Now, here he's talking to the saints. He's talking to the people of God, and he is saying to them, if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Do you remember, do you recall what he's talking about here? He spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness. So you get into just a little bit of the commentary um, they're the fallen angels, those that uh, rebelled with the archangel in the heavenly realms, Lucifer, um, Satan, okay? This, the angels sinned uh, in the days of Noah, okay? There are different times in the economy of God. And so Peter is absolutely referring to this, probably, again, looking into the book of Enoch, Uh, Enoch describes this perfectly, and he said that these uh, demons were, or these angels, these fallen angels, were uh, delivered into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Now, personally, I believe that this kind of lines up with Revelation chapter 9. In Revelation chapter 9, remember, there's a key of the bottomless pit. And that key is given to that angel, Abaddon, um, in, I think it was in the, in the, uh, in the Hebrew and in Apollyon in the Greek. And then out of the pit comes a swarm of demonic spirits. And it may very well be that these demonic spirits that have been chained in the underworld, which we're going to talk about here in just a little bit, They've been reserved and delivered in chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgments, okay? They themselves will ultimately be cast in the lake of fire, but I also believe in the day of judgment, these demonic spirits are going to be released all over the world. Uh, we'll hopefully get into that just a little bit more. Verse 5 goes on to say, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, And he spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So Peter's wanting his audience to know that, hey, God does this stuff, okay? God sent angels that he created to be reserved for judgment in chains of darkness. God spared not the old world. But save Noah. He's talking about the days of Noah, the flood of Noah. 
A preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. God did that. God brought in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. It's as though Peter's saying, don't misunderstand God. Don't, don't, don't have a, an imbalanced perspective of God. And then in verse 6, he uses another example. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample or a pattern unto those that after should live ungodly. And verse 7 says, delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Okay, so for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Then in verse 9, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Wow. So he's reserving fallen angels for the day of judgment. He, God is reserving or preserving here. He knows how to, to preserve, right, or to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. That's kind of a scary thought when you think about it, um, to be cast into the lake of fire, uh, to be vessels of damnation, to be vessels of destruction, uh, vessels fitted for destruction, the Bible says. Um, and, and the climate of everything sec, uh, Peter wrote about is just throughout the history of the world when God has stepped in and intervened, and yet he's writing this to a New Testament church. And you have to ask yourself, why is God telling a new covenant church about the severity of God? Well, it doesn't stop there. In Jude, the apostle Jude also wrote a letter, and it's very interesting that uh, Jude used the same similar language, and both of them, uh, Peter and Jude, referred to the book of Enoch. Uh, the book of Enoch, why it wasn't put in the canon of Scripture, I don't know, uh, but it wasn't. But there are authenticated books of Enoch that give tremendous detail to what both Peter and Jude write about. They just basically, in a tiny little you know, sentence here and there, but when you go to the book of Enoch that they were referring to, you get a much larger description of what was actually being referred to. And it's very intense, and it's very helpful and useful uh, to, to understand the tribulation period, uh, because, again, um, <clears throat> Enoch wrote about these things. So Jude says it this way, and I'm just going to pick it up in verse 2, or I'm going to pick it up in verse 3. Again, Jude, the apostle, writing to the New Testament church. And he says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, Jude is concerned about people that were perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ, turning the grace of God into licentiousness or lasciviousness or lewdness. In other words, licensing people to go live the way they want in the carnality of their minds and the flesh, nature, 
and yet excusing themselves because they're under grace. It's the false grace message. And he's very concerned about this, and he's telling the believers that they need to contend. So in verse 5, he says, I will therefore put you in remembrance. Now, why would the apostle Jude want to put the believers of the New Testament in remembrance of these events we're going to read about? Think about it. He said, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, okay, God delivered the, the Jewish people, the Israelites, the Hebrews, out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Why would God want a New Testament church to remember that God delivered people, saved people from the land of Egypt, but then destroyed those very same people in the wilderness because they did not believe? Why would he want us to know that? Or verse 6, and the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains unto darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So here he's referring to what Peter spoke of, the angels that left their first estate. So they rebelled. The angels were in a good place. They left the good place. Now they're reserved unto judgment. Okay, why would he want us to know that? And then in verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So again, these examples of God who created angels, had them in a good place, they fell, so what God did to them. God, in his mercy, bringing Israel out of Egypt and yet destroying the people afterward who believed not. Or this Sodom and Gomorrah, used twice in the New Testament as an end sample, a pattern, and an example of what will happen to anybody that does the same thing. Why is Jude, why does Peter want you and I and all believers throughout the church ages to know these things? Is it because we can begin good and then fall away from that good and see the severity of God? Is this what it means, behold, the goodness of God and the severity of God? And that too many Christians today are just only beholding the goodness of God, but they're not beholding the severity of God? And if God cut off the natural branches, will he not cut off the branches that have been grafted in unless we stand by faith, right? So the scriptures tell us that God is able to remove, God will absolutely deliver you from the world and then destroy you because of your unbelief in the wilderness. That God will overthrow the cities that are destructive in their immorality like Sodom and Gomorrah. That God will destroy angels and he will destroy the whole world with a flood because God has a moment where he says enough and no more. And we seem to be coming upon that time in our generation. So these scriptures need to be spoken loudly to believers all over the world to stop thinking once saved, always saved. There's nothing I could do to lose my salvation. God owes me a favor. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But forget that the name that was written in the Lamb's Book of Life can be erased. I mean, that's in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the Book of Revelation, that people could have their names removed from the book of life. 
So let's take a look at that in Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, so this is to the church, These things saith he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you live and are dead. So there are churches that have a name that they're alive, and they have programs that they're alive, but spiritually speaking, they are dead. In verse 2 he says, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. So whatever is remaining, whatever residual you have that's not dead yet, you better watch because it's ready to die too. For I have not found your works perfect before God. This is God's thought towards the church. You're the church, right? We're the church. Verse 3, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. In other words, remember what you once had, repent from where you are and get back to that. If therefore you shall not watch, I, Jesus, will come on you as a thief, and you shall not know what hour I will come upon you. Now, I want you to really observe that thought. Think about Jesus telling the church, I will come to you like a thief, and you'll not know when I came. So in other words, I'm going to steal something from you, and you're not even going to know it was stolen. What is he referring to? Verse 4. You have a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, so a few are saved, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And then in verse 5, here comes the mystery unveiled. He that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. So if you overcome, I will not blot your name out of the book of life. So if you don't overcome, I will blot your name out of the book of life. Here is where he comes like a thief, and they don't know what hour he came. And he stole something, but they don't know it, which ties into Matthew chapter 7, where the people will come and say, Lord, Lord, I did all this work in your name. I prophesied, cast out demons. I I did all this stuff. And he says, depart from me, worker of iniquity. I do not know you. In other words, he stole their name out of the book of life. It was eradicated. It was erased, but they didn't know it. They thought they were saved, but the Bible says they weren't saved. It's so out in the open, and preachers for years have tried to change the meaning of that rather than looking at the raw reality and the fear of the Lord. Another passage of Scripture that shows you can begin well and then turn out worse than your beginning is in 2 Peter chapter 2. Okay, but I'll I'll begin in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So you have it. You have everything you need for life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. We have great and precious promises. He's talking to you and I. That by these... 
you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. All right, so what, did, what happened to us? We are partakers of the divine nature. We have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We've escaped it. Now, what happens in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20? It says, for if after they have escaped the pollutions or the corruptions, we just saw that, if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein with the pollutions and the corruptions of the world. They go back again and are overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Wow. It would have been better for them never to have known the liberty that they had in Jesus Christ than to have known it and then gone back to the pollutions. What is that? Is that once saved, always saved? How about in the book of Hebrews chapter 6? I'll begin in verse 4. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, that's a believer for sure, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. What is impossible? It is impossible, even though they were born again, because you can't be a partaker of the Holy Ghost without being born again. You can't have tasted the good word of God without being born again. Or you could not have connected to the powers of the world to come without being born again. You could not have been enlightened without being born again, okay? Or tasted the heavenly gift without being born again. But what is impossible? It's impossible. If they who were once thus shall fall away, it is impossible if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. Wow. You're telling me that you could be a total partaker, a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, partaking in the power of the kingdom of God, tasting the good word of God, partaker of the Holy Ghost, and yet you can fall away apostatize, defect from the truth, and it is impossible, according to the word of God, to be renewed again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So, is it possible to defect and apostatize from the truth? Is it possible to turn away from God? Is it possible to have the knowledge of Christ that set you free and then go back and become entangled again and it's worse than at the beginning? Is it possible to be brought out and delivered out of the land of Egypt and be destroyed in the wilderness? Is it possible? Absolutely, according to Scripture, it is. You could have your name blotted out of the book of life, etc., etc., etc. Let me take a glance and see if my brother is with us. No, he's not here yet. I don't know if the, uh, the, our Australian friend, Daniel Seckham, has just gone Betty by. I'm not sure. I'm looking for him on the screen. Daniel, if you're out there, make sure you, you kind of hook up with us here and so we can bring you into the broadcast. So, again, these are the words of God. Now, why do you think the apostles, the prophets in the New Testament – 
to the New Testament church have declared these things. And now here we are, and I, and I do agree that they wrote this message. They wrote these words before the 70 AD event, okay? So the events of 70 AD, when the Roman armies came into Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, sacked the city, and all the Jewish people that got caught in the snare were destroyed. Those who knew what was happening fled. These were the warnings, because during those very difficult times is when people started to turn away from the Lord, okay? And it's not the only reason why people turn away from the Lord. We are now approaching the end of the end of the end of the ages. I had a dream last night. I shared it with my brother this morning. And he's the one that wanted to know, where are those scriptures about Sodom and Gomorrah and them being an example and what God will do to people that live like them? And so I read them to him, and I wanted to bring that up today because, you know, I want to ask you a question. Do you think God is serious? When he says anybody that does what Sodom and Gomorrah did will be destroyed the same way Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, do you think God meant that, or was that just a metaphor? Was it just a metaphor all these urgent prophetic words from Jude and Peter uh, and through the writer of the book of Hebrews. And I could find many other scriptures that just coincide with this thought, you know, about once saved, always saved, supposedly, that no matter what you do, because you believe in Jesus, uh, you, no matter how you live, you're going to be okay. And, and yet there are multitudes that are saying they're saved. Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We prophesied in your name. These people obviously believe they're saved. But he says, depart from me, workers of iniquity. I never knew you. So, well, maybe that's it. I never knew you. Well, they thought they knew him. They thought they were saved. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, a very, it's a very scary thing that you could be totally delivered from the corruption of the world and, and, and totally saved by the knowledge of Christ and then go back and become entangled again and overcome. And it's worse than at your beginning. Uh, or to have tasted of all the good things of God and then to have fallen away uh, there's just too much evidence that uh, we should be very careful with our salvation because the pirates on the sea of life want to rob the treasure chest of our heart, which is our salvation. It's the number one thing that we need to hold on to. But proven throughout time, when difficult times come, that's when people have a tendency to give in. I'm going to take the mark of the beast. I've got to feed my children. I need to buy and sell. I don't have diapers for my baby. I don't have formula for my baby. I don't have clothing for my family. I need food on the table. I need to, I need to participate. There, you know, if I'm once saved, always saved, it doesn't matter if I take the mark of the beast or not, because God's not going to condemn me just because I need to buy and sell and get food for my family. That'll be the reasoning of those who have fallen away. And so they're going to reason themselves right into, I need to do this because, and because I'm once saved, always saved and believe in Jesus, well, I'm not going to be condemned by God because I need to have food for my baby. That's an, honor, that's an honorable, noble thing to do. And yet the Bible says anybody who takes the mark of the beast, the smoke of their torments going up forever and ever. So, you know, I, I don't know how far you want to take the conversation, but um, it just is something very, very, very terrifying. And, and now that we're getting closer to the age, uh, we need to be very careful about how we 
really look at things. Okay, I'm looking for Daniel. He's not there yet. I had a picture in the background of Sydney, Australia. Uh, there's that little white tent over there. That was just for my brother. Uh, I hope he's doing well. I hope he's okay. Hey, I'm noticing that there's nobody watching on YouTube, and yet we are broadcasting live on YouTube under Omega Radio. Uh, good morning to Carol Page Carey and Melissa Fletcher, Pastor Melissa, Shirley Wolseley, and Cindy Messman, our sisters. God bless you, and thanks for tuning in on Facebook. But we are broadcasting on Omega Radio right now live on YouTube. And so let's just take a good, quick look over here uh, <clears throat> to our Block Talk Radio. So here we go with the dream. I want to share with you a dream. And put it all kind of in perspective, uh, what, what is the urgency? What is the urgency? Have you ever stopped to think about the underworld? Hmm. What did uh, Peter say? He said that he had the angels, the fallen angels, he said they were put into chains of darkness, reserved unto judgment. Do you remember we just read that, right? Let me just kind of pull that out again. These fallen angels were cast down to hell. So they're down to hell. In, they are delivered into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. All right, I want to share a dream. I had it all night last night, all night long. And reading this just sparked part of the dream in my mind, and I'm kind of, whoa. So in my dream last night, I went down. And the depth of what was going on underneath the earth. The only way to describe it, it was so dark, and it went down, I, I can't get the distance, but I remember it went from one level, and then there was another level, and I remember looking down like 1,500 feet, and then another 1,500 feet, and this depth of, of downwardness, and it was dark, and it was yet there was light enough to see uh, the color, I saw a horse dead at the bottom of one of the levels. And, and in my dream, I just kept going down and down. And I saw things. I saw violence. I saw people. And I, I, I found a soldier. I got down, and he was in chains. And he asked me to put the ribs because we were being followed and chased by a demonic beast. I don't know how else to describe this, but while we were under there, the demonic activity was so just, just bizarre. And yet we saw people that were, they were trying to come out of something and others were trying to come up, but it was like a stampede and there was violence everywhere. And there were people that were being tormented everywhere. And it was like, People that got stuck underground, that were living underground on, after a nuclear blast that totally radiated the earth. And so everybody living under the ground was there, and it was just weird. 
no God, no light of Christ, just bizarre. And I'm moving with somebody, and we're moving through this, navigating through this, and we're being chased by these demonic beasts. And the man in the chains wanted the ribs to put into a pot to somehow help us to deal with these demonic beasts was really, really weird. It was really weird. And then the other part of my dream, I came back and I'm on the, the earth and there's one side of the, of the realm is light and the other side of the realm is sheer insanity. We've heard about people eating their babies in past societies, not just stories. Past societies have eaten their children. There are biblical stories of mothers eating their children during the time of famine and drought. Um, The world is going to become a very dark, insane place. And the underworld is going to open like that pit of Revelation chapter 9. And there's something coming out on this earth that the people that are on this earth are going to be so demonized, so wicked, so demonically possessed. And what was happening in my dream is we weren't excluded. We were navigating through. And I, you know, for years, God has been telling me going all the way back to 2003, do not pray for this nation, but rather pray for the people of God to navigate through the times that are coming upon this earth. And folks, we haven't seen anything yet. The lockdown in 2020-2021 was a minor preview of what we're going to have to navigate. And we did navigate through that time. We navigated without taking a shot, without being vaccinated. We navigated without social distancing. We navigated without putting on the mask. We did not Yield to that nonsense, not for a second, because the Spirit of God was leading us, and we were being led by the Spirit of God. And there's something coming on this earth. There's something coming that you're not going to believe. You, you can't imagine what this world is going to look like any day now. And I don't know if those nuclear bombs that God said and that Sodom and Gomorrah was overthrown with, uh, you know, the disaster of the fire that fell from heaven. I, because God said it, and I don't think it's a metaphor. I think he's very serious. Anybody that does that, Israel is going to get nuked. The United States of America is going to get nuked. The European continent is going to get nuked. There are going to be nukes flying all over the world and other weapons that we're not even aware of that these people have. Pestilence is going to be released all over the world. You think the scare of COVID-19, look what it did. What's going to happen when real disease is floating in the air? Folks, they're coming to depopulate the earth. And people are going to go underground, but I'm telling you what is beneath your feet is more demonic and more evil and more wicked than you could ever imagine. I don't know, just the truth. It's just reality. 
I remember in 1998 writing a prophecy about the monster that was moving in the underground, in the underworld, and then 9-11 hit. There's something going on beneath our feet. You know where they've been flushing all the baby's blood in the abortions to the tune of 90 million in America alone? All that blood that's gone down the tubes and the drains and the sinks and the toilets? All that blood is underneath our feet, feeding demonic spirits. I don't know how to explain to you that I just had a dream. And it's wicked. And you're going to have to be of your wits. You're going to have to be sober. You're going to have to get ready not to panic yourself unto death what's coming on this earth. There is a dread evil. It's beneath our feet, but it's going to open up and it's coming on this earth. The demonic, the dead, because they're not really dead. They're demonized. Oh, that's just a thriller. Oh, you're just being dramatic. No, I wish I were. No, it's there. It's in the spirit. We're feeling it more and more and more. The darkness is getting darker and darker and darker. And you have to make a decision on what side of this day you're going to be on. In my dream, there was a light side of the day and there was a dark side of the day. And, you know, I just can't fathom any other scripture than Isaiah 60, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon you. The, the day of the Lord is the day of light, and it is a day of gross darkness, glorious light, gross darkness. If you're in the light, you will have the light to navigate through what's coming. If you are uh, dim, if your light is dim, Beware the light in you that it's not darkness. Jesus taught that, remember? Beware that the light in you is not darkness. In other words, your, your light is a facade. It's not real light. It's not real light. It's an angel of light. You're being led by a spirit that appears to be light but is not light. And you'll know the truth by the conduct of your heart. And so beware that the light in you is not darkness. Jesus taught. Folks, it's, it's time. This is real. This is not make-believe. This is real. And it's right beneath your feet. And I believe that God has shown me something. My friend said to me, are you hanging out with Steve Quayle? When I told him the dream. Because I said, it's right beneath our feet. And my, my brother said, you've been listening to Steve? You've been hanging out with Steve? And I said, no, why? I, I haven't listened to Steve Quayle in years, quite frankly. And uh, even though I know the man, I've met the man. He's got a great ministry. He's, very, he's got his own depth. But I said, no, I haven't. And he said he's saying the same exact thing, that it's right beneath our feet, what's going on in the underworld. And I thought, my God, I, I know this is true. I know my dreams. When I share dreams like walking into a grocery store and everybody's dead and there's blood and then it happens in Buffalo, New York. Yeah. I know when the dreams are from the Lord and sometimes I don't get them. They don't make sense at the time, but God is foretelling me that something in the underworld is about to come on this earth and the earth itself is going to be so dreaded because of the war that's going to hit and the pestilence and the famine and the corruption and the violence and the rioting 
that it's going to hit the earth. It's coming. And there is a depopulation reality to it all, and yet the Bible has predicted that population reduction through pestilence, through natural disaster, through war, through starvation, through economic imbalance. The Bible has predicted the entire thing. In Matthew 24, the book of Revelation, Mark 13, Luke 21, it's all predicted by God. What does that mean for you and I? Well, it means that we need to take special care of what's going on. I'm not sure where Brother Daniel is this morning. Uh, I'm just waiting, and he's still not here, so I'm going to proceed. Now, Daniel, if you're out there, uh, hopefully you're not sawing logs right now, but if you are, I understand. Um, I was going to actually have another brother. Jim was going to join me on the air today, uh, but he gave way for Daniel to be here. Daniel's not with us. I hope he's doing okay, and I trust that he is. So we'll move forward. I want to ask you a sobering question right now. I've been talking for 41 minutes. I've been reading scripture to you. I'm showing you things that are underground, you know, down even in a place called hell. Um, Are you taking it serious? Are we taking it serious? A very large part of Patricia and I's ministry is feeding the flock that God has entrusted to us. They're his people, and he's told us to tend to the flock, to feed the flock. The way that we feed our flock at New Wine Ministries is by teaching the Word of God, personal counseling, getting into people's hearts when they want it, when they desire to have someone of that God has appointed, whether you know we think people are you know good enough or not. When God appoints a ministry, it has people's hearts and is able to help them along the way. So we tend to God's church because that's what God has assigned us to do. We tend to the flock. And then we feed them knowledge. We feed them knowledge. And we bring a, an anointed word of God to their hearts that brings transformation, changing the mind, changing the heart. We have told our congregation, the, the, the flock that God has entrusted to us, all these things that we're talking about, But we rightly divide the word of God and we bring balance, not only to this corruption, this evil that we would talk about. And then it shows up as a sign to them that, hey, pastor's on the right track here. We are moving in that direction. And yet we show them the glorious side of what it means to be a believer in the last days and how to live triumphantly through Jesus Christ and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and not to be afraid when these things come. So we put put it all together. And that's what we're trying to do on radio. We're, we're, we're trying to. I, I want to bring an announcement um, right now, an announcement to um, something. That, I don't know how it's going to change what I'm doing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on this program. But yesterday I went to the radio station at uh, Kerm Radio. I will be broadcasting once again. I was doing that for seven years. It's an AM FM radio station here in Northwest Arkansas. And I will be broadcasting Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. I will be doing a 30-minute broadcast 
from 11.30 a.m. to 12 noon following the colonel's, uh, his platform and his, his, radio, his live radio broadcast. And as soon as he's done, I'll be jumping in behind the microphone and I'll begin with 30 minutes Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 11.30 to 12 o'clock. And then on Sunday at 11.20, 11.20 a.m., we'll be on the air for 45 minutes and I'll have my compadres with me, Pastor Ken Wagner and Pastor Michael Villarin will be joining me on the air on Sundays for 45 minutes. The intended purpose for going on the airwaves, AM, FM, locally, is because we live in a place called Arkansas. And we believe that Northwest Arkansas is God's territory. And we want God's ark, God's refuge, God's Goshen. This place belongs to God. And we have many witnesses uh, from Corey Ten Boone and writings of other people, so many confirmations. This place is God's, and it's our responsibility to make sure that this place remains clean and so that God's refuge will not be spotted with the tumors of uh, LGBTQ and the tumors of abortion and the tumors of corruption. It needs to be cleaned up. <clears throat> that may sound harsh, but it's true. And God's going to hold us accountable. So I'm going on the airwaves uh, with, an, with, a, with a spirit of reconciliation to bring people that are living lifestyles that are a cancer to their eternal soul into a healing Christ that can deliver them and set them free. I believe it is the last call. I believe that the love of God is desiring to be shed abroad in the men's and women's hearts. And so we're going to labor to do that Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday right here in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, you will be able to join us by going to kerm.net. So you could download it on your phone. You could go to the Internet. And that's uh, and here I'll put it on the screen for us. Um, I'll put it here on a banner for anybody that's interested, that's tuned in. We'll go, all you do is go to www.kurm.net and then we'll add that banner right now. Uh, and if you would like to join us, there it is on the screen, kerm.net, kerm.net. Now, I'm noticing a, a lot more people coming into the chat room and are listening. If you have just missed the last 45 minutes, I exhort you, please go back at some point and listen to the last 45 minutes. It has everything to do with your soul, your soul. It is imperative that you listen to the last or the first 45 minutes of this radio broadcast. Please do that. And so, again, uh, beginning next Tuesday, this coming Tuesday at 1130, and let me put that up on the screen here. I'll just... Um, 11.30 a.m. You're going to have to write that down next to that, that address. Now, you could go to Kerm.net, and you could put that down on your phone. Uh, they have an app, okay? So you could go to Kerm.net on your apps, um, you know, on your phone. I don't have my phone. I'll show you how to do it. But you have a little app store. Just type in Kerm.net or go to the radio station. Just go to Kerm.net and then save it to your screen, your home screen, um, and that will get you on there. So at 11.30, you click on that, and you're, you're there. So um, we have a call coming in. Let me, I want to do that this morning. I, you know, I just laid out a lot of information. I shared a dream. I, I brought the word of God. 
I'm telling you what I believe is the ultimate truth, understanding that I stand before God with everything I say and do. I want to hear from you. I need to hear from you. Uh, if you're listening in the chat room and you want to write some comments, great. But I want to open these telephone lines up on Blog Talk Radio, and I'll give you the number where you could call right now and how to get into the broadcast. And there it is. Just call into the broadcast at 818-369-0326. Make sure you press 1 on your dial pad, and I'll bring you into the broadcast. There's a lot of people listening right now, um, and but unless you press 1, I can't see that you're wanting to share anything. So I would love to hear from you about what we were just talking about. We talked about salvation. We talked about many things and shared a dream. We want to hear your thoughts. So I'm going to leave that number on the screen. I'm going to take this call coming in right now from our dear friends in South Dakota, area code 605-695. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You are on the air. Good morning, Vincent. Good morning. Praise God. I have something that was given to Dimitri Dudelman, December 9th, 1993, and it's about examining your heart. This was to the body of Christ, and this is, it's very short, but it's going right along with what God is showing you, how to get ready for what's coming. It says, this is the prophecy from Dimitri Dudelman. Many of those who sit, neglectful, loving the world and the things of the world, Many seek the life of the earth, but they do not prepare themselves to meet the Holy One. Jesus is coming. Do not be lazy. Terror and great pain is coming upon the earth. The devil will take upon himself power, and he will attempt to make war with the holy. But Christ, the victorious one, will come and save his people. Proud men, all those who pretend to be teachers, yet never living the life, all those who say they worship me, yet their hearts are far from me, says the Lord, I will make them part of the suffering, torment and terror, so they will call upon me, but I will not answer. Those that today humble themselves and seek me with a clean heart in that day, the hard day will be glad and will rejoice. The power of the devil will increase greatly in this country, in America, and many Christians will fall in its chains because they have dishonored me with their lives in their pride, their arrogance, and their vanity, thinking they are holy and worshiping me, yet never really worshiping me. The winds and the storms that will begin against the Christians in this country will take Many. Those who remain standing will be very few. Humble yourselves. Be holy. Seek me more than ever, kneeling before me often, that in the hard days I will save you, says the Lord. That was three years after we were with this Dimitri Dudeman for a period of time. And I believe this is a true prophecy from God. It certainly is. It's absolutely phenomenal, and it absolutely ties in. I don't think people, I, Christians don't think about this a lot because hell and the lake of fire and uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth and out of darkness and the smoke of torment, the worm never dying. These scriptures are so, um, they're so often just ignored. I mean, people are not thinking what it is like to go into a place of torment. 
They, people don't understand what it means to have the smoke of their torment go up forever and ever or to be demonically uh, tormented by demons throughout eternity with no light ever again to escape uh, the lake of fire and these things. And, uh, you know, because it's unfathomable and people just think that, well, you know, God kind of owes me a favor and, you know, I believe in Jesus, so I'm going to go to heaven and uh, God, God's too good to let me go to hell or let me go into this place of torment. Um, I don't believe that at all. I believe that this is a, a real danger. And isn't it interesting in our generation, very few people are talking about hell anymore. And what's coming upon this earth will be a living nightmare for a lot of people. And it is a time of torment. And I know people have, have had torment in their lives. Kathy, hold on one second. I believe your hubby is calling in on the other line. Let's take his call right now. Good morning, Ken. God bless you, sir. Welcome to the broadcast. Good morning. Um, I, I want you to finish where you were going, and then I would step in if that's okay, or should I go no, ahead? No, I'm good. Yeah, please, go ahead. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Well, what you were bringing out as far as your dream and that, we know that the earth was distor- destroyed with flood, and we were told that we will be destroyed again, but this time by fire. And you were talking about the bombs. The bombs are fire and that. And you were saying all over the earth there's possibility of bombs going off. Could that be the last fire that we're talking about? Well, it certainly could. I mean, I know that cometary impact, asteroids, meteorites, you know, they play into that as well. But, yeah, I believe that nuclear weapons, dirty bombs, missiles, you know, Satan II missiles, all these different things are going to be employed. I don't think that the nations of the earth that have these weapons of mass destruction, uh, including biological, uh, what do they call it, the, the NBCs, the nuclear, biological, and chemical agents available to them to be spreading all over the world. I believe this earth is going to become an absolute nightmare uh, because of the rebellion of men. And, and I believe it's at the door, Ken, absolutely. Thank you. Okay. All right, Kathy, anything else before we proceed? Get as close to Jesus Christ as you can. Amen. We are headed. Get, us, get close. Get close. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. And, and Kathy, you're a seasoned saint. And when you say get close to Jesus, what are you actually referring to? Seek his face. Read his word and meditate upon the Lord as often as you can. And, right. you know, Come away from the things that are in the world because it is so troubling and that and and get close to the Lord. And, you know, I believe that the Lord is putting a watch over our mouths and we're going to speak in the days ahead those things that God wants us to speak and it will be Holy Ghost inspired. Amen. Amen. Very, very well said. Hello. Hello, yes. are you still there? Yes, okay. Ken. One of the things that Kathy was just bringing out, and she's been bringing this up quite often now, and that is, is we have to be strong and strong Amen. in the faith. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power in the inner man. Yeah. And sometimes the seeming delays or the pauses in the pangs of what's going on in the world today may lead people to believe that, you know, all is well. Um, we have been in a pause uh, recently, 
And I suspect that we're going to see a massive, and I believe this, I believe we're going to see a massive labor pain. You know, we talked about that just days before the Uvalde shooting, that there was a massive labor pain that was going to hit the world. I don't think that one has hit the world yet, but I know that in the United States, that was a massive labor pain. Buffalo, New York, Uvalde, Texas, Indiana, um, and other places where, you know, these, these shootings were taking place where uh, people's hearts were broken. And you kept hearing, we're devastated, we're broken uh, at our hearts. Something, and, and get ready to be navigated and be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. I think it's everything God's been telling our generation. So, um, all right, we'll stay the course. We will stay the course. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Ken and Kathy. God bless you both as well. All right, we're waiting for your call. If you want to uh, join into the broadcast right now, the number is on the screen. I'll put it up once again. I put another number up there, 479-233-3774. Listen, that number is for prayer. And I want to say this to you, and 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 I have to because I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I have recently come upon a revelation of the Father's love where he's saying, I want you to give a final call. Everyone that, that, I, that I send before you, everywhere you go, I want you to send a final call to the most rebellious, to the most hard-hearted sinner. I want you to tell them that what I did 2,000 years ago is still good if you'll accept it today. I will forgive you for murder. I will forgive you for shedding innocent blood. I will forgive you for the abomination of your sexual twistedness. I will forgive you for your witchcraft and your sorcery and your fornication and your pride. I will forgive you. It's a last call. It is the final call to a generation that has heard warning after warning after warning and have walked through some of it. But what's ready to happen, this scenario that's being painted today, God is saying prior to it, it's like a final call. And I want to say to you today, if you have rebelled against God, if you have hated his son, Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul wanted to stomp out the Christian church, right? If you have been living a lifestyle that is an abomination to God, and you know it in the core of your existence. You know it unless you have absolutely lost your mind. Well, I hope that this broadcast will actually bring your mind back to you for a second, because if you lost your mind, you're in eternal hell. You're maybe covering some stuff up, but, but may God bring you back to a sense of consciousness to say, well, my God, what have I done? You know, Nebuchadnezzar was given the mind of a beast, For seven years, I think it was, where his mind was totally taken over. He had no mind of his own. God could give you your mind back. If you're hearing this broadcast right now and you've lost your mind because you're living in grotesque ways and in rebellion against God and you're into witchcraft against God. I remember Mike Warnke was one of the high-ranking witches, uh, and he turned his life over to Jesus Christ. And God's saying, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. I'll be merciful again. You're a politician. You're a hater, a God-hater. I'll do it again. I'll turn your heart around. I'll do it again if you will hear the plea of the Spirit of God. 
I will extend mercy to you and forgive you for every sin you've ever committed, and I will seal you unto eternal life if you'll repent and turn from your wicked ways today. Would you accept that from being from the Lord? It's biblical. The time will come when that offer will no longer stand. And maybe today you think you're getting away with something and God doesn't see, or you've made God a participant in your practices, but he's not. They will come, and the righteous judgment of God will be brought forth, and eternal sentencing for your eternal soul will go forth. Would you accept the offer of a God who's coming to you in reconciliation in spite of what you have done? Would you receive his plea, his desire to save you before it is impossible to be saved? I think that's a lot of love. I think that's an incredible attribute of God that is unknown to mankind that he would be so willing and desiring. For it is not the will of God that any perish, but all would come to repentance. But God has his moments where the door will shut. And maybe you've been in the darkness for years now, participating in every wicked and evil thing. And I just pray to God that somehow in your consciousness that you've known all along that what you're doing. But if that knowing has been deadening and getting less and less, it means you're getting further away from the light. And this is a a final call to you to come back to consciousness and to accept this olive branch of peace for your soul. God is wanting to save you. He doesn't want to destroy you. He's wanting to save your life. But you see, this message could not have been appropriate without the warnings of what God is going to do first. We needed to warn. We needed to proclaim. We needed to say and show the utter filthiness of man's sin. We needed to do that. But now for God to stretch forth an olive branch of peace, to send forth ambassadors of reconciliation, To say that God can still and still desires and will forgive you if you will turn to him, his son, Jesus Christ, who paid the price for your sins. The price he paid is able to save your soul of anything you've ever done. All the rebellion. Imagine that, where it seemed impossible that you rebelled so nastily against God. And yet he's saying, I can forgive you right now. I extend an olive branch of peace to you right now. Because I really don't want to destroy you throughout eternity. I don't want you destroyed. I want to save you. Is there anything left? Is there any consciousness left? Any conviction left? Any knowing that what you're doing is evil? It is wrong. Is there anything left? Even though the law and the lawmakers told you, oh, it's legal. I could do it. It's legal. I have a right now. I have... I have rights to be this evil way, but still down deep inside do you know the truth. The Bible says that it's been written on every man's conscience.
that they are without excuse. And I just can't imagine that you're without knowledge. But the mind does go dark and the devil does deceive. And the God of this world has blinded their minds. And so God is wanting to bring a, uh, an eyesight restoration. He wants to take away the veil of the devil that has blinded your mind from the truth and the reality of God. And he's wanting to show you through light and truth the truth about where you're going to spend eternity if you don't repent. And he's wanting to save you. What a good God we have. What a loving Father we have. I'm going to take this next call, 479-855. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning, Pastor. Good morning. Can you turn your volume down? By Yes, sir. Thank you. Yeah, she, Peggy's phone was on as well, so it's, okay. it should be down. Uh you know, you're hitting a lot of good key points this morning, and you've you've gone over them and over them again. But the, you know, there's something I think that a lot of people need to do to begin the, to get on the right foot uh, of relationships, and it begins in the family. Uh, now, you had a very traumatic experience on that mountaintop where God had to really begin to show you of the relationships that needed to be healed in your life with with your father. And I had the same situation years earlier with my father, and we were really getting along really well, and he dies. And and I was really kind of devastated when that happened, you know, because I was really enjoying him. But I also realized that I still had to go through a healing with my mother who was really the domineering influence in my life and in our family life. She ruled the house, and it had to be done her way. And it was funny because uh, even my wife, my, my mother had put uh, what they call little dog houses up on the door on the wall when you came into the house on there. And... If you did something wrong, you found yourself in a doghouse the next morning when you when you went downstairs, and uh, she it was interesting to see that because that was her way of expressing it, and uh, when she got mad at you in, in those kinds of situations, she wouldn't even talk to you. So I had to deal with that, and I dealt with it in a very harsh way, my own way. I withheld my love from her, and built up walls that I had to break down. Now, I, I bring that up because I know you've been doing a lot of talking uh, about really loving each other, taking care of each other. And and I, the Lord did it last night in a dream that I had. And it was so loving that I watched and all the walls begin to break down that I had built up with my mother Praise and God. watched the love begin to flow. As never before, there was a new warmth and a love, and I woke up so relaxed and refreshed and renewed again. And it, it opened up new doors of thought and, and pondering, you know, how is my relationship to other people as well? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? God said the greatest gift is love and the thing that we have to have for each other. And if you don't have it in your own family, 
How are you going to have it with others around you as well? So this is something that we really need to ponder, and I'm really thankful for the Lord to bringing that up, showing me where I was wrong, showing me how I need to go ahead and proceed in the future with love towards all those that I meet, even if there's difficulty, even if there's problems. And if you can't work it out in your own family, how are you going to work it out with others? So I just kind of wanted to bring that across this morning because that was the thoughts also that I was feeling and hearing in your broadcast this morning as well. So I just encourage all of the people that are listening to really begin to delve in and see if there's hidden pockets where you're holding animosity against others, animosity towards family, other friends, for other people that you know. Deal with that. Get rid of it. And that's what Jesus had to do. He was able to forgive all of us. He was able to forgive the people that were crucifying him on the cross. And that's difficult to conceive, but that's exactly what he did. And that's what he expects for each and every one of us. If we can do that, I think that is the greatest step towards opening a pathway for us to be one and truly with God and serve the Lord for the rest of our days. Spoken by a true pastor. God bless you, and and thank you, Pastor Ken, for sharing that. I know you're going to be one of the voices on uh, Kerm Radio with me on Sundays, and uh, we're looking forward. I think people need that wisdom. That was beautiful, and congratulations on the dream. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing. You know, um, the thing that – well, thank you, Pastor Ken, for sharing your thoughts. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor all right, appreciate you. So, yeah, that's that's so profound. That is so profound. Maybe, um, well, Pastor, let me just put it this way. Well, Pastor Ken was uh, speaking. Um, I had an, an, an image go through my mind, and I think to me it's the most beautiful image of anything anyone can imagine. I saw, and, and I've constantly had this in my spirit for years. Uh, I saw children laughing and running into their father's arms. They're little children, maybe five years old, giggling, running, laughing, and they're running into their father's arms, and he, with a big smile and a hearty laugh, embraces them and brings them into his chest and holds onto them and is hugging them. You know, this is interesting. And all I'm going to say is I can never, I have no memory. If I search my heart, I have no memory of my father, my natural father, ever holding me in his arms, hugging me. Never happened. But when I got born again 40 years ago, when I was 19 years old, the experience I had in my bedroom when I accepted Christ into my heart is I was in the bosom of the Father. He was sitting on the throne, and I had been brought into his arms, into his chest, and he wrapped his arms around me and began to squeeze out all the poison. And I bring that up because in my natural life, with my natural father, for his father never was able to do that with him either. So it was a generational thing of lovelessness and, or the inability to show love. And so the craving desire to be held to be loved by father. That's why the father wound is one of the most difficult things to really deal with. Um, the, 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 
the lack of that is a devastation, as uh, Pastor Ken just mentioned here. And so God is kind of, for me, in the beginning, knowing that that was one of the greatest wounds in my life. And what he's showing me is at the end of my life, into eternity, I'm his son and I will be in his bosom forever. And that's beautiful. And I love that. But what Pastor Ken was just saying is that the wounds of right now. See, I I don't feel wounded any longer when I talk about that lovelessness or that inability or I wasn't hugged or held by my father. It's no, I mean, if there's anything, it's a whisper kind of, of, yeah, that's, that's really true. Um, But it doesn't have the pain. It doesn't have the hurt, the, the rejection, the, you know, the, you know, all of that stuff behind it, the anger. God has healed that because of an experience he took me through. And uh, it's beautiful, and I thank God for that. And I know I could run into his arms. And I believe in the body of Christ, in, church, in Christian churches, the love that we're all supposed to have is basically designed because we grew up in a loveless society. Not everybody. Some people said, oh, my parents loved me. I was the dear of the family. Praise God. Then you could help lead the way, right? So, but a lot of people have never really known true love. And even family or familiar love, family love, is not to be measured to the love of God unless the love in that family was God's love because it was a true Christian family. But a lot of people never really knew that. So the day we're living in right now is a lot of people that are acting out in rebellion, witchcraft, homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism. Really what pastors just said was that it is, it's rooted, it's got its roots down in abandonment, rejection, um, fatherlessness, uh, father wounds, uh, wounds of every kind, and that people grew up being abused and beaten or hurt and uh, rejected verbally, mentally. Uh, there's all kinds of conditioning that happens to human beings that cause them to go into lifestyles. And so God is not just, you know, wanting to rail out his wrath against it. I mean, he really has been reaching out, but he does have to maintain his, his legal justice for those that do such things, but I hear him saying, such were some of you. Such were you. And he talks about the effeminate, the homosexual. Such were some of you. The lesbian, the transgender, the pedophile. Such were some of you. The fornicator, the adulterer. Such were some of you. The railer, the drunkard, the drug addict, the prostitute, the pimp. Such were some of you. And you see that in the word of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Such were some of you. But now you are washed and clean. God wants to do that. And I do believe that a lot of the sin that is being acted out in our society is due to massive wounds. And I think Pastor Ken just knocked that out of the park and brought reality to that. People need deliverance. People need healing. People need salvation, restoration. And yet we just read about a guy that was saved by the knowledge of Jesus Christ And he goes back to it again. Why would somebody go back? Maybe because their wounds were never healed. I don't know. Backsliding is one thing, but going back, being entangled, and never released again, that it would have been better to never know the way of truth than to have known it and then to fall away. Uh, Something in that that is psychologically uh, tough. I mean, that's an entangled soul that's brought into captivity throughout eternity. And the torment of that, having once been saved and enlightened, is a very, very, that's dark, man. That, that's painful. 
The number is on the screen, uh, 818-369-0326. Press 1 on the dial pad. We'll bring you right into the conversation to hear a comment from you if you would like to share a comment. Um, Jim Staff is with us this morning. Good morning, Jim. Uh, Kevin Hauger, uh, you look good shaven. Uh, you must have heard the broadcast last night. Uh, which Patricia said, you shouldn't have said that. I said, but it wasn't for that. It was to just bring awareness. <laughs> Phil Boswell, yes, taking it very serious, the truth. Amen. Hey, we want to hear your voice. Do you have a voice? We've got 15 minutes left in the broadcast. We'd love to hear your voice. Are you going through a struggle in your life right now? You're entering the last days. You don't want to fall away now. You've come too far, right? So is there anything in your life that the devil has a, a stronghold on that he can yank your chain and pull you down? Is there anything? Is there any unforgiveness, any bitterness, any root of rejection? Is there anything going on inside of you that you're, you're, you've been tolerating it, but it's been there and you haven't gotten rid of it? You need to get rid of it. Yes, Laquita. I have her number on there. Very, very good. Yeah, she's, uh, she's uh, giving food out at the pantry. Okay. So anyways, spiritual food. Is there, is there something in your life, listen to me, please. You know, I, I'm not, <laughs> is there something in your life that you're not getting rid of? A lot of it stems from unforgiveness, maybe towards your father, maybe towards your mother, maybe a sibling, maybe something, that, an abuse that happened to you, maybe the rejection. Is there something that has happened to you that you're living with it, saying I'm a Christian, and you are, you really are, but there's an exploitation of the devil against the thing that you're not getting rid of. And maybe you're saying, I don't know how to get rid of it. I don't want it. Have you ever read the book Deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights? It's a book that my wife wrote, Patricia Joy. It's called Deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights. Here's a woman that has been in the deliverance ministry for over 45 years who walks the walk, who has a life, physical, spiritual, solical, that lines up. She's beautiful. She's got self-control in her life. She walks in the integrity of the gospel of Jesus Christ was given a revelation because she was in the occult and was teaching New Age metaphysics, and God brought her out and showed her deep things going on in the body of Christ. Have you gotten her book yet? Deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights. If you are one of the people that I'm talking to today, and you don't want to carry this stuff, this phobia in your mind, this phobia in your soul, these recurring thoughts, this this debilitating, these disgraceful, uh, these hurtful things in your life, if you want to deal with them and you don't know how, I know how, read the book, <clears throat> Deliverance, The Christian Bill of Rights. How do I get a copy? Contact me. Send me your address. I'll get the book out to you. I don't read other books. They're probably good, but my life is a testimony to the ministry, hands-on ministry, and the anointing, the pure, clean anointing, and then the revelation in the book, which my friend Benjamin Baruch said, man, that book is so anointed, when you read it, you're getting delivered. 
and he's right, do you need help? Well, I read the book, but I perused through it. Did you read it and use it to deal with the issues in your life that the devil surely is going to attempt to exploit right in these last days to pull you back to hell? Well, I've been a Christian 40 years. Yeah, does that secure your eternal life? If the devil comes to exploit an area of your life and pulls you back down into it, that you've been tolerating because the pressure is going to get stronger. Remember, not lighter. The powers of darkness are going to get stronger, not easier. And what you've been tolerating and moving with, this ball and chain around your life, you won't be able to do that in the future. It will drag you down to hell. That's truth. So what does God want you to do? Employ all the powers of the kingdom of God. Employ all the powers that derive from the cross. Employ all the powers of Jesus Christ, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to deal with the internal issues of your own soul. And if you really go after it, God will help you. And if you read that book, Deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights, It will be a tool to hack away some heavy-duty chains. And if just reading the book doesn't help, read the book and then make a phone call and say, Pastor Vincent and Patricia, I read this book. I live over here. I live over there. And I'm willing to drive and to make a trip to come to your neck of the woods, and I need deliverance, and I'm going to ask you to do it. And if you're serious enough, to make that call, if you're serious enough to get in your car and you have the ability when the devils are trying to pull you back and make excuses not to, if you're able to get there, you'll find deliverance. You'll find it. This is a deliverance ministry, a prophetic and deliverance ministry. <clears throat> and Patricia labors to get the people in our church to become deliverers, to raise up those in the deliverance ministry. So you step into this environment and you find people that are submitted and yielded to their teacher and they grow and become the same. There's an unstoppable force, an unstoppable force. Oh, no, Patricia's not the only one. No, I'm not saying that. But she's good. And the Spirit of God knows it. And the demons know it. And the devils know it. They know it. Believe me. So if you need help, there's help. Over the phone is pretty good, but you come and you want to spend quality time getting yourself delivered from issues. You come with your pad and paper and say, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I've been holding on to. These are the phobias in my mind. This is what I want to be freed up of. You come with what you know. And I guarantee you the Spirit of God will go into your heart and show you things you didn't even think about. And chains will burst and break, and you'll leave a renewed person if you really want to go for it. And if there are these things going on in your life, I want to encourage you, you need to do something. Now, you want to read Pigs in the Parlor? Go ahead. You want to follow other ministries and it's going to help you? You want to do uh, Armstrong's book? You want to do all that? Go for it. You want to find people that want to get in your life? Just make sure you know them. 
Make sure you know them really and see how they handle pressure and see what things are like. You mean, go for it. I've got testimony with Patricia's ministry and deliverance. I know the person. So I guess this is a call, reaching out. It's available to you. And, you know, this isn't about deliverance. This isn't about the deliverance ministry. This isn't about Patricia. It's about you getting free to walk in the last days when everything is going to go exponential in darkness. And God wants you to be at your very best. And the only way you could be at your very best is to have no demonic spirits or phobias or fears or things you've carried your whole life. Maybe unconfessed sin, secrets that you've held or withheld from your family or your spouse or your friends. I guarantee you, 1,000%, the devil is going to exploit every area. And if you come to an awareness, there's nothing left. You have nothing on me. I've confessed everything. There is nothing left. I don't have a secret life inside of me. My life is who I am. I serve God. Whenever I'm tempted, I overcome temptation by the blood of the Lamb and by the name of Jesus. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Sin has no dominion over my life. I walk in the integrity of the gospel. I obey the word of the Lord. I love the Lord. And there's nothing that he can exploit on me. Jesus said, a little leaven will leaven the whole loaf. He said, the little foxes spoil the vine. Just a little bit of leaven in your life. Little secret glances here and there, you know. Church, what's coming on this earth, you will not be afforded anything that is not cleaned up before the Lord. Your and my personal holiness before God is going to be known by the multitudes by how we respond to what's coming on this earth. I don't care how holy people say they are. Holiness will be known just as wheat will be known in the last days by its character of what is coming on this earth. I'm telling you, man, if you got ugly roots, you're going to have ugly fruits. And, and, and there's deep, dark stuff going on deep in the soul. Yikes! You want to run for your life. You want to run for your life. You want to get delivered. You want to run into your father's arm. You know, for years, I didn't think, that I, that I could approach God in that manner, even though at the very beginning, 40 years ago, that's how I got born again. But I had to work out a psychological thing that when I would go to my father, there was no hug, there was no love, there was no embracing, there was none of that happy laughter that I recall ever. And so I had to work through a lot of that because that's the impression that I can't do that. So fathers, mothers, allow for your children. Let them run into your arm and touch your chest and squeeze them with love and laughter and let them know that you love them, you embrace them, you care about them, and let that begin to overcome your own inabilities from your past. In other words, let's get this thing worked out while we can. While we can. Last call. Final call. Final call. And then game on. And we're going to see a lot of stuff happen all around us. 
Shirley Wolseley says, I have been dealing with unforgiveness in my life that I didn't realize existed, bringing to mind things I held against others without realization. God, forgive me. Open my eyes to all things hidden in my heart. That's what it's going to take, Shirley, right there. And just keep doing it. Let it, let it work. It's like a beautiful medicine. It brings such joy to forgive people, to be reconciled. And if they don't want to be, so what? You're reconciled to God. You forgive all. It's quite a journey, my dear friends. Tomorrow, I'm going to have a guest on with me. His name is Jim Boltmeyer. Jim's going to join me. We're going to talk about incredible things. And uh, Don Huddle may be joining us on the air as well. I need to get his perspective on a number of things as well uh, so that we can go into the weekend. Uh, Stay the course is all I can say. Know that you're loved. God really does love you. I hope that this broadcast was a blessing to you. Remember that number uh, that you have on the screen right now if you need to make that phone call. It's right there, 479-233-3774. You're saying, I need help. We'll call that number right there. There's going to be a voice on the other side that's going to be there to support you in prayer. Also, I want to thank everybody. I've been uh, told to do this every time. I want to thank people that are beginning to give to this ministry financially. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you for giving. I like that. Forgiving. Forgiving. I like forgiving. Thank you for giving. (laughs) All right. So you could do it on your telephone, on a text. You could give at 410-88-OMEGA. Type in the word give. There it is right up on the screen. You could also go to our nwmglobal.org under the donations tab. An easier one seems to be the omegaradio.org, or you can mail in your gift at P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. I want to thank everybody for your giving to this ministry. And by the way, we're going on the air, AMFM Radio. We'll tell you more about it as we go. That'll begin next Tuesday. God bless everybody. Have a super blessed Thursday. And we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom.